The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. Corporate sponsors may from time to time be the subject of buy and or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks newsletter. However, as host of Turning Hard Times into Good Times, Jay Taylor retains the right to provide objective opinions on behalf of subscribers and to his listeners audience regardless of sponsorship. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor. Hello, I am your host, Jay Taylor. I'm also the editor of Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. That's a weekly and a monthly newsletter, and you can learn more about that by going to miningstocks.com. You can call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, at 718-457-1426. That's 718-457-1426 to sign up for my letter, Roger Wiegand's letter, and Chen Lin's letter, uh, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Well, I want to thank each of you for listening to this show. Uh, I also want to thank our corporate sponsors, uh, namely Coral Gold, Hawthorne Gold, Palangelo Exploration, Metanor Resources, and Sand Gold for their sponsorship. Uh, these uh, companies have made it financially possible for this show to continue, um, but uh, and so we're very grateful to them. I just want to mention one thing about Hawthorne this week, uh, one of our sponsors. It has come out with some more great drill results. This is uh, We talked to Richard Barkley, the CEO of this company, a few weeks back, and and Rick mentioned how they were getting higher than anticipated assays from the Taurus deposit next to the high-grade Table Mountain deposit, and they'll be mixing, the way it looks, probably mixing this somewhat lower grade with the very high grade to optimize production. This is a company with a market cap of just $32 million, 44 cents or thereabouts, with 74 million shares outstanding. But the high thing, I think the major selling point with Hawthorne is its experienced management. Uh, Mr. Barkley uh, and his sidekick have, have both, as I say, have been responsible for putting uh, two other companies uh, on the map. El Dorado um, was one, and Bema Gold, which is a, both are very well known among gold mining investors. Well, our model portfolio is doing very well. We're up 40, almost 43% as of yesterday. That compares with 11.5% for the S&P 500. But we are very concerned that uh, we are in a major secular bear market. 
We have a correction of the bear market that started in March. It's going up, and we think uh, we could be coming near the end of that. We're going to speak to Roger Wiegand a little bit a little bit later to get his take on that. Uh, so we've been suggesting to our subscribers that they take some profits now. Uh, we've had some nice profits, as I just mentioned. We're up 43%. Uh, our uranium stocks are up 142% this year. Our speculative mining share is up 77% collectively. Take some money off the table. Build some cash. Yes, we think even the gold shares could get hit hard if we're going to have a major decline since September, October, possibly even earlier. So we want to be ready, and it's never, you know, to try to squeeze the last dollar out of your investment sometimes is foolish. Sometimes it's better to, uh, you're not going to pick the exact top, so take some profits when you get a chance. Uh, now, uh, we've had uh, some delightful experiences since Chen Lin has come on to work uh, with us here, and uh, just to give you an idea, Chen has uh, picked up some quick profits, and, you know, I don't mind quick profits. That's a good thing if you can get uh, money uh, get your money back and make a nice profit quickly and turn it into cash. Well, Chen has been doing exactly that. And um, so I just wanted to read a couple of uh, comments that came in from some of Chen's most recent picks. Uh, one guy says, uh, great call, or or should I say super-duper call, and he was referring to a couple of Chen's picks that he's going to talk about in just a minute. A Norwegian call, uh, subscriber writes, he says um, that he also subscribes to Jay's letter and Roger Wiegand's letter, uh, he said on August 11th he had a very happy day as uh, he followed Chen to buy Rentac Inc. He bought 200,000 shares at uh, 96 cents and sold 100,000 shares at a dollar and a quarter, making a quick profit. Very nice uh, indeed. And so we're very pleased uh, to welcome Chen again. Chen, uh, glad to have you with us. Thank you, Jay. Glad to be here. Uh, Chen, you know, um, I just I just have to tell our subscribers again, be, uh, our listeners, I should say that uh, your remarkable track record, and I'm not trying to swell your head, but folks, this is documented. Uh, Chen turned $5,400 into $420,000 from January of 2003 to June 30th of this year in his wife's IRA, and that is documentable. And uh, this is a very remarkable performance, and I think a lot of credit goes to Chen for picking some great stocks. Now, Chen... I uh, tipped you off to a couple recently. Hawthorne was one. Rentec was another one. Uh, and, you know, I'm very, very pleased to uh, to let you take a look at these things because I know you delve into these, uh, you know, every angle possible. Uh, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about Rentec? What's the story there? Yep. Hi. Uh, Rentec is an alternative energy play. Uh, so basically when you mentioned to me they are start making profit, I go and take a look and look at the the earning release and it looks fantastic. Finally, companies start turning the corner. So that was uh, yesterday came out with a quarterly earning of twenty two cents. At that time, Rentag was trading at a dollar. Mm-hmm. So I said, wow, it's uh, if you analyze it, it's trading a little bit, you know, over at one time's earning. Yeah, if you analyze the twenty two cents, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. but there this quarter has some you know special because weather is good, so they they may probably make some extra sales. So. That, that you have the discount something about that still is fantastic. I uh, checked the balance sheet has been very good. Mm-hmm. So I say okay, you know, I, I send an alert to buy at a dollar and I, 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 later at ninety eight cents. I have some reader even bought lower than that, ninety six cents, and then it closed at a dollar thirty two. So what have and you done? Have you taken some profits on that already, Chen? No, I didn't. Uh, I feel it's uh, you know I just look at it. You know, I'm probably going to 
hold it a little bit longer, but you know, that one of the subscriber already took a very nice profit in a day. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm, I'm looking at this is like a little more long-term trade. Mm-hmm. I think this company has been a few dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to make this technology work. Yeah, I should mention the. I don't, I'm not sure that you did mention Chen, so I will. That in fact, this is a company that takes coal, makes liquid fuels out of coal, and does it. I believe with a clean. A relatively clean burning fuel. Is that right, Chen? Exactly. And also they make some fertilizer. So like they have a two product line. Uh, one is uh, the alternative energy uh, liquid fuel, uh, very clean, which is fit the our present agenda very well. And, and the second also makes fertilizer. So both are very profitable and they're cash flow positive and they have a lot of cash on their balance sheet. So make, make, make me feel comfortable. And then especially when the, it's a patented technology. That's also very important. Yes, power of entry uh-huh. is very high. Uh-huh. And then when those kind of new technology usually take a long time to get it work. If once they get it work, it can make a lot of money. Yeah. So that's that's kind of very, I feel very attractive. Right, and I think they're selling to the U.S. Uh, military, are they not? The Air Force and Navy. Perhaps? Yeah, military and not. I think they done to airline or something. Mm-hmm. They have a new press release uh, last week. So it sounds very interesting. And yeah. it's a few dollars now came all the way down to like a. Uh, you know, less than a dollar, now it's mm-hmm. on the way up. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like the company has turned a corner. So yeah. I recommended that after our conversation on Monday. So yeah, okay. Be- okay, I want to get on to the next one before we have Roger make a couple of comments here in this segment. Chen, uh, another one is uh, Farmer Mac. Can you tell our subscribers, uh, I'm, I keep saying subscribers, I'm thinking as a newsletter writer, can you tell our listeners about Farmer Mac? Yeah, this is the stock actually I mentioned in last week's uh, radio. I mean, this show, we're the same show. I mean, last week I was able to buy the core options out at 35 cents, and today I was able to sell it at about three dollars. Mm-hmm. So it made about you know eight to nine fold, uh, you know, bagger in a week. Yeah, in a week, yeah. right? So it's it's pretty nice. It's very yeah. nice, and I told my subscriber to sell, and some subscriber even sold it. At a higher price, and they some sold as told me they sold at three point two. I'm very happy for them, you know. Now so are you are you completely out of this now, Chen? I'm out completely out of the core option. I sold uh-huh. half of the stock. Okay. Okay. So I have a lot of cash now, and <laughs> just just waiting. And then now the market's coming down, so it's kind of rolling over. So kind of you know because I have a lot of profit in this stock already. Originally recommending my new set at below three dollars. So now you know it, it hit over eleven dollar today. So, okay, Chen, I, I think that's that's fantastic, and I know you're going to have more things to talk about. Uh, I just want to get Roger a couple of remarks from Roger in this segment. So, Chen, uh, hold that thought and bring it back to us next week, um, or you'll probably have something new to talk about next week. Uh, so, so hang in there. And uh, Roger, are you there? Roger's here. Roger, just a quick uh, mention. You know, we were talking about Chen talked about the need to take profits now. Uh, we're all sort of thinking that that we could be in for some rocky times in the equity markets going forward. What are your views on the equity markets uh, for this year? Well, at this particular time, we're looking for a Dow to peak out at 9,800 and the S&P at 1050. Uh, we're pushing higher, but we're in a wave four pullback, <clears throat> which is going to be imminent. And we, we're looking for a choppy trading uh, market action between now and the end of the month, there could be another up leg for Wave 5 up, and then uh, everything settled down for a while, and we got a holiday coming up. We've got the, uh, the Memorial, or excuse me, the Labor Day coming on September 7th. All the brokers will come back at that time, and then we're looking for another push up 
at that particular juncture, uh, we could go as high as 10.4, which we did predict several months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a certainty, though, because things are looking pretty toppy. All right, Roger, just like to make a comment here. Uh, Dr. McHugh, who we talk about frequently in this letter, is looking for slightly higher targets, slightly later time frame. I think you're looking at September 15th as a as a likely turnaround date uh, for the decline to begin. And uh, McHugh is talking about the 21st. That's correct. And uh, he and I have been spot on two or three times on our dates because we both use Elliott Wave. And uh, I, I think that somewhere between the 15th and 21st, as we both suggest, that should be the peak for the fall, and then we're looking for a major selling event. All right, so folks, we want to get ready for that, you know, because uh, yeah, I just I just remember so vividly and painfully what I personally went through, what so many of my friends went through last year. We were playing the inflation play. We were playing commodities. We were long everything. And all of a sudden, when Lehman Brothers went down, bam, it was over. And, you know, we lost 52% of our model portfolio that we worked so hard over so many years to build up. We tripled, more than tripled that, and then in just two short weeks, basically, uh, it, it was gone. And so what we're really trying to do is is be ready for it this time, and Roger's providing some good technical analysis, uh, along with Dr. McHugh and others that are mentioned in this uh, uh, in this show. Um, Roger, uh, just I think we got a couple of seconds here yet. I want to just touch on the bond market. Do you see the bond market uh, topping out somewhere in time? Well, it's straining to sell the tremendous amount of uh, activity that they're offering. They're offering $75 billion this week. Early on, Rick Santelli mentioned that he was watching the 10s and 30s offering. Now, today they did have a three-year offering, and they sold $37 billion, and it was well-received. They said 62% of that $37 billion was taken by foreign buyers. Yeah. So they're still in the market, but they're on the low side, uh, on the short side, I should say, as far as the time schedule. Uh, the big question is going to be over the next couple of days, uh, is there going to be some news from the uh, FOMC, Federal Reserve? We think they do nothing, but something in the words could change change the market. And the other thing is probably by Thursday we'll have a feeling where the uh, bond market is going to be on the 10- and 30-year offering. Okay, well, that's uh, very good. I think that's extremely important to watch because uh, if the U.S. can't finance this enormous amount of debt, you know, what's going to happen? Interest rates rise dramatically, or is the Fed going to print money and actually buy the debt and monetize it, uh, in which case we could be off to the races in, in uh, you know, with some severe inflation problems down the road. Uh, I think we're coming up on the break about now, so um, we're going to be talking to David Morgan uh, in just uh, as soon as we come back from the commercial break, David Morgan uh, is a silver bug or a silver e- silver expert, and the, the silver folks are are really really um, uh, some people call them fanatics, but David Morgan is an ex engineer, and he looks at things in a very reasoned way, and I always value his his remarks. You're going to want to hear what David has to say, so uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. As regular listeners to this show know, I am very bullish on gold and especially gold mining stocks. One of my favorite gold mining companies is Metanor Resources, traded Toronto and the Pink Sheets. This is a new gold producer. It is using cash flows from its Berry Mine in Quebec to finance growth of that mine and to put the world-famous Quebec Bachelor Lake Mine back into production. This stock has been recommended by my newsletter because I do believe it holds extraordinary upside price potential with relatively low levels of risk. Visit Metanor's website at metanor.ca or subscribe to my newsletter for more information. For asset security in uncertain times, gold has always been the investment of choice. One of the best ways to profit from gold investing is to buy shares in companies that are exploring and developing gold deposits. Coral Gold is a gold exploration and development company with over 2.3 million drill-indicated ounces of gold. Coral Gold's low market cap allows investors to participate with leverage in a rising gold market. Coral Gold has a long track record of success in Nevada, dating back over 25 years. Visit Coral Gold on the web today at CoralGold.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, I am your host, Jay Taylor, and uh, I think we have David Morgan here. I'm not sure. David, are you there? David's not there. Roger, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. Roger's there. Oh, David's back. Okay, David. Yes. Welcome. Good to have you back. Thank you. Anyway, uh, we, we're uh, just starting this conversation with uh, David Morgan. He is the uh, uh, the editor of, gosh, I've forgotten the name of your newsletter, David. The, the Morgan Report. The Morgan Report. How could I forget that? And uh, tell our listeners what your website is before I forget to ask. Sure. The website is silver-investor.com, or more Englishly correct, it's silver-investor.com. 
something I started uh, more about a decade ago. Actually, I'd started it with a different URL uh, in California. I was doing some consulting for some clients. And I decided with the Internet uh, that silver really wasn't getting much exposure, and I was pretty well convinced that silver was at making a long-term bottom, and it wouldn't be too long until silver would basically start uh, a major bull market. Gold started its bull market in 2000. I was writing back then. I actually wasn't writing. I was writing uh, articles that really hadn't started doing much on the newsletter side until 2000. And uh, it's taken off from there, Jay. It started off rather slowly, but it's built up over the years. I still have a fairly strong following. I've been asked to speak, uh, you know, as you well know, all the world like you, see you at many of the conferences as well, along with Roger. And uh, it's been uh, quite a ride, and I think we're probably about halfway through it, personally. I think we still have a long ways to go to the upside. Well, we're going to get into that, David. I want to ask you, um, what was silver trading at uh, at the bottom there? Well, it depends what bottom. I mean, we can always make a starting point wherever we want to. But basically, when I started the website, so it was under the $5 level. And there was a company that's well-known to my readers and many of our listeners, and that is Central Fund of Canada. Yeah. And Central Fund of Canada at that time, which is a bullion holding company, basically, uh, was selling at about a 10% discount to NAV, net asset value. So in other words, you were actually buying physical gold and physical silver, at a ratio of about 50 to 1, that's how the fund holds the um, assets, mm-hmm. for a 10% discount. So I thought, well, to build my business, I would put that information out, but not give them the name of the company. In other words, you, I would tell them that you can buy gold and silver at a discount, yeah. and if you gave me your email, I'd be happy to provide this information. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a ton, not a ton, I, I got several letters, emails, that said I was, you know, a scam artist, scumbag, etc. And, um, of course, you know, from the surface it might have looked that way because it's pretty hard to buy these things under, you know, spot price. But the fact was at the time you could. So I would, uh, you know, take it in stride and write them back and give them the explanation of what I was seeing and was available. had one client from Europe that called me, Jay. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course, he verified it, which is quite easy to verify. It's a publicly traded company. Sure it is, yes. And he was just so happy. <laughs> and I warned him that at that time the volume in that stock was low. So if he was going to take a huge position, which he did, uh, don't buy a lot at one time. You know, filter in your trades as, you know, any of us pros know to do. And that's what he did. But, uh, the guy couldn't thank me enough. So, you know, it, it paid dividends, but I really always think back on how tough it was kind of in the beginning and how it's, you know, uh, it takes a little bit of time to build some credibility, but I was straight up about it. Now that same fund sells for about a 12% premium. I was going to say so, David, yeah. and I know they have a sister fund that's just a gold fund, and the last I checked it was selling at like a 20% premium. So Exactly. You know, and, you know, I, I, I said that in my early reports. You know, There will be a day that this fund will go back to a premium and not yeah. at a discount. So you know, load up while you can kind of thing. Yeah, it's a convenient way to own gold and silver, and it's something that I have in my own portfolio, David, I'll tell you, and I... I um, you know, sort of look at it as a cash account in a sense, in that when I take profits from gold shares, I you know try to buy some more, uh, some more of that. Well, anyway, we um, sort of lost you there, and I sort of sort of forgot to read in your bio. But so maybe we'll just sort of talk about it a little bit more, and then we want to get on to some of these topics. Uh, you um, were an engineer before, and you're basically an Austrian school thinker. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I have a degree in uh, engineering. It's actually aero engineering, and uh, 
worked in the aircraft industry for a while, but I've always been interested in metals. I mean, it wasn't a day I was working in the aircraft field. I wasn't, you know, looking at the gold and silver prices. Sure. But, um, and then I was always interested in business. That was when my heart of hearts was, particularly in, you know, what I'm doing now. This is what I've always wanted to do. And I uh, went on and got my master's in business from a mainstream school, but I'd already read so much on the Austrian sure. side. I was very, very well versed in that aspect of uh, economics. So I got in a few, uh, let's say, w- wars of words or intellectual uh, battles, you might say, uh, with some of the professors when I got my master's in business. But uh, it was well worth it and uh, actually might have converted one or two of them. Well, I bet you did. And, and I'm sure you're converting some people along the way as, as uh, many of us are trying to do and I think are doing now as, they, as people start to look at the economy and the, uh, the carnage that's coming as a result of decades of, of Keynesian economic uh, philosophy that's, that's really led us astray. You also have published a book just real quickly. What's the name of that book? It's uh, Get the Skinny on Silver Investing. It's available on Amazon or our website. Okay, excellent. Well, let's get into then some of the uh, issues on silver. Silver is sometimes uh, thought of as poor man's gold. Um, but I believe markets have chosen silver as a monetary metal, and that's true for thousands of years, going back to biblical times. Uh, Doug Casey likes to credit Aristotle for uh, for understanding how and why gold has become uh, money over time. And, and here's what Doug has to say that, that Aristotle uh, passed on. He says, gold is durable, and that's why we don't use wheat. It's divisible, that's why we don't use diamonds. It's convenient, that's why we don't use lead. It's consistent. That's why we don't use real estate. It has intrinsic value. That's why we don't use paper or shouldn't use paper, I should say. So now, I think as I look at those attributes of gold, the same holds true for silver, but there's one area that I think gold might have a little bit of an advantage over silver, and I just like your comment, convenience. We say it's convenient. That's why we don't use lead. We have to carry, you know, lead is heavy, and it's just not a very convenient thing to use as a medium of exchange. Well, you have to carry a lot more silver around than you do gold. Uh, do you buy that that notion? Well, I would say sure. I mean, the facts are what they are. I mean, the current ratio, I think, is around the 60 to 1 level. But you know, I have to point out for all our listeners that silver has been money for uh, longer periods of time in more places in the world than gold has. And that's not from me. That's from... Uh, Milton Friedman, a, a laureate for the Nobel Prize in economics. The facts are silver has actually been used much more frequently for money than gold has. Gold has been used for international settlements or king to king, whereas the commonplace marketplace where the people are, meaning, you know, buying your, your groceries, your, you know, foodstuffs, your housing, your transportation, that kind of thing has been silver for the most part throughout the ages. And as far as is there too, you know, too much to lug around, I mean, I have to agree with Butler on that one that, you know, it's because silver's undervalued. I mean, you get a lot for your money or you get a lot for your paper money. If you go back in history, Jay, really the best standards for stability have been a trimetallic standard where you had copper, silver, and gold. I mean, if you go back to, you know, these are the best of times, these are the worst of times, it was, you know, uh, copper was actually worth something. It's only because of the distortion of inflation that these huge numbers come into play. And what that really means is that the dollar has been devalued by such a tremendous extent, like about 95, 96 percent using the federal government's own statistics. 
that you see that, geez, well, obviously these, these monies have to be up 20 times in paper values just to, you know, maintain what the dollar once was in 1913. So it depends, I guess, how you look at it, but certainly if you're going to pay for something in silver bars, you're going to be using a lot more weight than you would in gold bars, that's for sure. I want to get into the supply and demand for silver, and we're actually coming up on the break. It goes so fast here, David, and, uh, and I've jabbered too much myself. But uh, let's talk about demand, Just uh, and we'll pick it up on the other side of the, of the, uh, of the commercial break. How, about, uh, how much silver is really used as a monetary metal? We know that silver is a monetary metal. It's also an industrial metal. Do you have a sense of how much silver is used uh, as a monetary value, uh, and does that vary from time to time? It does vary quite a bit. If you look at just uh, coins only, you're looking about five percent of the market. But if you look at commercial hundred ounce, or excuse me, thousand ounce bars that are held for investment purposes, like the SLV and several others, it's roughly half of the market. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, what industries uh, consume silver? Well, anything electrical or electronic consumes silver. So any you know, cell phone, laptop, computer, uh, that type of thing, any gizmo or gadget that's electronic. Plasma screen TVs. And then for the electrical side, anything that conducts electrical current has silver somewhere in the circuitry. Not necessarily at the end, but at the, somewhere in the switching from the uh, substation as the electrical power is generated and has to move across the transmission lines, etc. All use silver somewhere on that path, if not multiple times on that path. So, the industrial side is growing rapidly. It was about 35% 10 years ago. It's now about 54%. And the uh, investment demand is growing equally strongly the last couple of years. So both sides of demand, the industrial demand and investment demand, has been increasing uh, overall. Certainly there are certain weeks and months you could point to and say, oh, it's down relative to the you know, month before or whatever. But from a long-term analysis, both industrial and investment demand are up. Sure, and uh, there's some new uses for silver. Would you would you care to just mention a couple of those if you can think of them? Well, there's a few. Well, there's several, but I mean, one of them that's uh, fairly well known now is in the clothing sector. I mean, uh, silver uh, has been used more and more for uh, well for diabetics for one specific use in clothing, but a lot of athletic wear as well because uh, it is a biocide, so it keeps your uh, clothes smelling clean. And I use that. Uh, myself on these long trips because you know I go out and usually work out whatever hotel I'm in on the road and it's nice to have something that uh, you know isn't uh, unpleasant to say the least. Where do you buy that product, David? You find out more and more. Also in the biocide side where it, it kills bacteria, this is being used more and more and more through all kinds of applications, like disinfectant sprays that are green-friendly um, internally for some people, some uses. There was an article recently about that on the Internet by uh, one of the better-known publications in the newsletter industry. There are more uses for silver patented on an annual basis than any of the other metals. It is it, a remarkable metal. There's no doubt about it. We're coming up on our break now, and... When we come back, David, I want to ask you about the silver supply, uh, the supply of silver and where it's coming from. I know there's some concerns about that in the industry. Uh, and then we're going to talk about a bunch more things to do with silver and also the, uh, the economy in general. Uh, folks, we'll be right back after our commercial break.
the market's up or down. Or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. As regular listeners to this show know, I am very bullish on gold, and especially gold mining stocks. One of my favorite gold mining companies is Metanor Resources, traded Toronto and the Pink Sheets. This is a new gold producer. It is using cash flows from its Berry Mine in Quebec to finance growth of that mine and to put the world-famous Quebec Bachelor Lake Mine back into production. This stock has been recommended by my newsletter because I do believe it holds extraordinary upside price potential with relatively low levels of risk. Visit Metanor's website at metanor.ca or subscribe to my newsletter for more information. For asset security in uncertain times, gold has always been the investment of choice. One of the best ways to profit from gold investing is to buy shares in companies that are exploring and developing gold deposits. Coral Gold is a gold exploration and development company with over 2.3 million drill-indicated ounces of gold. Coral Gold's low market cap allows investors to participate with leverage in a rising gold market. Coral Gold has a long track record of success in Nevada, dating back over 25 years. Visit Coral Gold on the web today at CoralGold.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks, at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. I'm here with David Morgan, um, a silver investor, uh, one of the, I think, the, the person that I probably give most credibility to when I want to know about silver. It's David's uh, engineering background, his uh, uh, reasoned approach to markets, and um, certainly silver 
as is gold, you know, two metals that, that really get people excited and uh, sometimes uh, not all that rational. But David is a very rational person, so we're glad to have you back, Mr. Rational Person. Well, thank you so much, Jay. I appreciate yeah. it. Now, we talked a little bit about the demand uh, for silver. Let's talk about the supply. Adrian Douglas has recently uh, written and, and talked about the uh, U.S. Geological Society talking about mentioning that silver could be the first element in the periodic table that would become extinct. Uh, uh, did, did the USGA suggest that we would run out of silver, or what are they saying, David? Well, basically what they've said, and this is a study that you know they have done, that of all the uh, minerals that they look at, which is you know almost all of them, that silver had about a nine or ten year supply in the ground, as they as their survey shows, uh, that are ec- that's economic. So it's similar to the peak oil argument that you know there's oil, and as the price goes up, then areas that might not provide a profit to industry will become profitable because the price is higher. So it's not like we're ever going to run out of silver. I mean, I don't buy that argument. Yeah, but we yeah. could run out of you know silver supplies that are economic to retrieve as short, according at least to the USGS, uh, within about a decade or so. But then you just find alternative uh, materials to try to take silver's place if possible, or the price would have to be bid up to the point where you would actually mine the stuff economically, I would think. Well, I'd go to the second argument. I mean, we could argue all day, but the uh, the substitution part has already been is at the, almost the 100% level. I mean, it's at 99.9%. For every pl- place that silver is used in electronic circuit, it has been modified to the point where it's the absolute minimum amount required. Same thing in a mirror or any electronic application. So the substitutes for silver are, in, are great. They're gold, platinum, and palladium. Yeah. And all of those substitutes are far more. So yeah. anything that you could replace it with, like copper or aluminum, do not give you the qualities that silver does because it conducts electricity better than any element and it reflects light better than any element. Right. So there's not much of a substitution argument you can make on silver, silver. at least oh. uh, for my studies, that's for sure. That's very interesting. Uh, that's a very bullish, long-term bullish aspect of silver then that people need to keep in mind. Silver markets are quite thin, I believe, in their volume, uh, the, the futures markets in silver compared to gold. Is that right? Yes, I mean, silver is, you know, far, far, far smaller market than the gold market. And the gold market is very small relative to the, you know, other financial markets. I mean, when Warren Buffett bought uh, 129.7 million ounces of fine silver uh, in 1999 uh, or 2000, whatever it was, I'm forgetting the exact date, um, he did it in the silver market because had he bought, Put that much money in the Pan American or one of the major silver companies. I mean, he, he couldn't have done it. Yeah. And even doing it in the futures market was rather difficult for him. He had to, you know, go into it slowly over time. We've talked about at the beginning of the show in order to build that large position. And once he did that and took the 129.7 million ounces off the exchange, basically 90 million came off the COMEX. Uh, the COMEX changed the rules. Not that day, not that week, but shortly thereafter that the most you could take Physically, was about 7.5 million ounces. Certainly not 130 million ounces. Did Buffett make money on his silver investment? Yes, he did. He, uh, according to what was in the public domain, he sold out around the nine dollar level. So, having got in around the 450-ish level, he doubled his money, and not, you know, a great deal of 
time. So, you know, to, as, as, as professionals know, I mean, people thought at the beginning of the cycle when you get, you know, five or ten bagger or some of these junior companies that that was normal. It's normal in that part of the cycle, but you really have to know what you're doing. But anyone that's invested professionally or, or as a seasoned investor knows to double your money is pretty tough. I mean, to double your money, you got to compound at 10% for about seven years. Yeah, well, and I would say a doubling your money in a silver or gold bullion is a lot harder to do than, say, in some of the stocks that can, you know, if they're because there's a higher level of risk in the stocks, so you can get a much bigger, like Chen just talked about, a 10-bagger, an 8-bagger that we had here in a week. Right. So that sort of thing is possible. And anyway, I'd, I'd like to ask you about storing silver. What about, um, where would you, you know, where should people store the stuff? Well, it, you know, if it's if you're a small investor, I actually think you should have some on your in your possession. In other words, not you know in your pocket every day, but you know probably in your home or near your home. Uh, just you know, for the worst case scenario, I think you should have that. But outside of that, if you're a big investor, then you know you have several options. One is, of course, your bank safe deposit box. The rules on those vary state to state, so if you're concerned about it, you need to check with your banker. There's some private facilities throughout the country, not many, but they exist. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also, of course, uh, warehouse uh, facilities through the COMEX, um, and that's uh, available. Uh, In fact, I put that in an interview with one of the main uh, COMEX depositories in the Morgan Report last month. I interviewed John Potts and... uh, since HSBC looks like they're putting some pressure on their retail clients to move their silver, he was gracious enough to give uh, Morgan Report readers uh, free transportation from New York down to uh, Delaware. Oh, well, that's, that's terrific, uh, David. Just we're—I can't believe we're almost out of time here. We have three minutes or less. What uh, we want to just talk a little bit about the macroeconomic picture here. Do you think the worst is over? Do not, these type of uh, great inflations do not unwind easily, mm-hmm. and we are not unwound yet. Mm-hmm. There's no stability in the system. I mean, two things are going on, well, really three. One is you have an increase in the money supply. It hasn't all been monetized yet, but the credit system has expanded just astronomically. Mm-hmm. Then you have a decrease in the financial assets. That started actually in August 2007, not 2008, like everyone refers to. Mm-hmm. And lastly, you have the physical economy, which supports everything that's real. This is where we get to eat. This is where we get to get transportation. This is where we get to make a business. And that has been going down, 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 down. So what you have is one curve, the monetary aggregates going parabolic to the north, and the physical economy starting to almost go parabolic to the south. So, Jay, we're not out of the woods yet. I think there's going to be some pain ahead. I think people will survive it. I think people... Uh, are much smarter, better, stronger than uh, perhaps uh, some of the powers that be may think that they are, but it isn't going to be easy. Okay, so it sounds to me like you're describing a deflationary scenario in the near term. I do see a deflationary scenario still for the next few months, and it's a tough call because, you, you know, us economists, and even on the Austrian side, argue you can't have both at the same time. But I'd argue from a practical standpoint you can, and yeah. I mean it by this. As I said, financial assets are going down generally. Anything that's got a loan against it seems to be going down, an automobile or a mortgage, whereas things that are absolutely needed, like I said in Poplava show so many years ago, are going up. Mm-hmm. Food goes up. Uh, tra- transportation costs are going up. So things that you need to like eat, heat your house, 
move from your home to your job and back, those type of things continue to increase in costs and things that were quote-unquote assets that are backed by a loan seem to be going down in cost. So, from a, again, a practical perspective, I think you're seeing both at the same time. I definitely believe that. But, you know, there's one aspect to either inflation or deflation, I think. It's psychological in part, and that has to do with the velocity of money. People believe that prices are going to go up. They tend to buy today. If they believe that prices are going to go down, they tend to hold off. And now we've got people that are very, very fearful. The credit card lines are being cut and people repaying their credit cards. The amount of credit and credit cards are going down a lot, the amount of outstanding debt. So people are really uh, fearful and the velocity of money is decreasing. What might cause the velocity of money to increase, David? What could cause the psychology to change? It's the death of the dollar when the perception is that the Chinese no longer want to you know, deal in dollars. A sovereign wealth fund uh, doesn't have to be the Chinese. It could be uh, Japan. It could be anybody. I think once that gets out into the mainstream, that's when you're going to see a huge move in the dollar, and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I would think because then the Fed is going to have to buy the debt. Is that it? That's right. Then they're going to have to really print it, and everyone that understands how the system works will see what's coming. And that's when there will be an impetus for those that have cash. There's people that are, are broke that don't, but there are people that do, and they will accelerate their purchases. And, and to quote you, Jay, and one of the shows we did together about a year ago, when it makes more sense to buy a hammer and hold it as an asset than to hold dollars, that's when you're, you know, we're in a hyperinflationary blow-off. Right, and we saw a little bit of that in the 70s. David, I think you're old enough to remember that. I certainly am. And we we did see that psychological change in the. Now here I have to ask you this before we uh, we run out of time here. What about uh, our investment strategy then in either environment? Well, I think gold is shown through history to be the best in a deflationary mode. So that is you know, and I've always said you should have own both gold and silver. Silver has a mixed uh, perspective there. And I think it would be, behoove anybody to hold it because the dynamics are so good, even in a deflationary environment. So I'd argue to hold both the metals, even in a deflation, certainly in an inflation. On the inflationary side, nothing has performed well during the last inflationary cycle than silver. Nothing. No, no financial asset did as well. So if we do flip from this deflationary mode into an inflationary mode, I think silver will probably outperform gold. If it goes the other way, I think silver will probably hold its own, maybe not do quite as well as gold, but it could do better, maybe not. I still think it's worth owning. As far as the stocks are concerned, I would hold uh, top-quality stocks like I've always advocated uh, through either, uh, for, for at least for now, and you know, I'm watching that one closely, and there's lots of strategies that we can employ as this thing moves forward. Sure. Well, that's, I appreciate that, David. You know, we, um, and I think also that we have to keep in mind that in an inflationary environment, it's not necessarily the best time to own the shares because the cost, if the cost is going up faster than the metal, uh, then you're, you know, then you're not in good shape as a producer of the metal. And that is what's worked in favor of gold mining in a deflation. Uh, in an inflation, if silver keeps up better and, and increases more than gold, then I would think silver mining could gain vis-a-vis gold mines, uh, all, all other things being equal, which, of course, they never are in economics, which makes our job of investing very, very difficult. David, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. We uh, sure could use more time, but I want you to give, uh, give our listeners a chance to, again, hear what your website is and where, you know, how they can learn more about your work and sign up for your letter. Sure. 
The uh, website is silver-investor.com. You can just type David Morgan into Google or David Morgan Silver. You're sure to find us. And all the contact points are on the website to phone us or email us or actually physically write us. Excellent. Thank you so much, David, for providing the insights on silver. We'll have to have you back sometime to talk more about this. Uh, Folks, we'll be right back. We have Roger Wiegand and myself to do a wrap-up on today's show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. As regular listeners to this show know, I am very bullish on gold, and especially gold mining stocks. One of my favorite gold mining companies is Metanor Resources, traded Toronto and the Pink Sheets. This is a new gold producer. It is using cash flows from its Berry Mine in Quebec to finance growth of that mine and to put the world-famous Quebec Bachelor Lake Mine back into production. This stock has been recommended by my newsletter because I do believe it holds extraordinary upside price potential with relatively low levels of risk. Visit Metanor's website at metanor.ca or subscribe to my newsletter for more information. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. For asset security in uncertain times, gold has always been the investment of choice. One of the best ways to profit from gold investing is to buy shares in companies that are exploring and developing gold deposits. Coral Gold is a gold exploration and development company with over 2.3 million drill-indicated ounces of gold. Coral Gold's low market cap allows investors to participate with leverage in a rising gold market. Coral Gold has a long track record of success in Nevada, dating back over 25 years. Visit Coral Gold on the web today at CoralGold.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, 
Taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. I'm here uh, with Roger Wiegand to wrap up today's show. And, Roger, we were talking at the break and before the show a little bit uh, about some real concerns that you have and others have about the commercial real estate uh, sector. Can you uh, just tell us a little bit about that? The uh, the commercial real estate sector, it, it, as, as owned by the insurance companies primarily, is composed of uh, shopping malls, office buildings, industrial parks, a lot of the big, heavy industrial real estate development that takes a tremendous amount of cash. These are long-term investments for the insurance companies. Uh, the returns are on the smallish side, but they provide the steady underpinnings of income, and they depend upon that income for running their business. Now, at this particular time, uh, commercial real estate is getting hit with the first wave of problems with um, tenants going bankrupt or tenants reducing their business to the extent that they're going back and they're renegotiating rents or, in fact, they have to abandon buildings. As a result of this, vacancies are starting to rise rather quickly. I know in New York City the vacancies now are around 10 or 12, 15%. Um, I read the stories about the, you know, the small, smaller users in those big buildings uh, having to uh, default and walk away. But uh, while that's a large part of it, the bigger concern is what happens with the shopping malls, hotels, and the bigger projects when, in fact, uh, these people decide to abandon the property, uh, down, downsize the rents, or, in fact, walk away. The life companies, I think, are going to be in jeopardy. And I think this is going to surface in May or June of next year. It's very slow. Housing starts first, and we all know what happened in housing. And there's more housing problems to come. But the relationship and the amounts of the dollars are very large in commercial real estate. And it's it's not at a standstill yet, but it's headed that way. So you think the insurance companies are the ones we've got to keep our eyes on? They're going to get hit first and the Absolutely. hardest Absolutely. I, I think, and, you know, it's hard to say yet, but... Mm-hmm. I think some of the insurance companies are going to be a good short probably next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, I mean, what about uh, everybody's looking to China to bail us out. What about China? Is China going to be able to um, stimulate enough world demand to keep things going? China's got their own problems. They came in with a major stimulus earlier this year. Uh, as reported, I think they spent probably six times more than America has spent on, on the TARP program to boost their economy and get things going. But what's happening in China right now is two things. The stock market is peaking out on the SSEC, which is at 3287 today. That's the Shanghai Index. We're looking for a June number to fall down to as low as 2,000. So we're looking of a haircut of probably 35 to 40%. That's one problem. they got a bubble in the stock market. But beyond that, if you look on the credit side, China exports this month, in fact, last night I got a report from Japan, uh, China exports in July were down 23%, and that is a ninth month in a row that the export figures have been going down. From China, and China depends so much on exports. Absolutely. I mean, China, Japan, Korea, Thailand, all are exporters to the United States and elsewhere in the world, 
And if their exports are going down, it's obvious that America's not buying. Of course, they've had their own, China's had its own stimulus uh, programs where it's actually giving vouchers or money to people so they can go out and buy cars. I'm sure they're, they're trying to use some sort of a statist or planned economy, uh, planned economic policy a la Keynes to try to get things going again. But we know from experience what happens with, uh, with planned economy when things don't happen spontaneously in the market, then you have all kinds of dislocations. Central planning in these economies simply does not work. China's a hybrid between a communist-run country with central planning with a capitalist system as a companion. The United States and the banks and the investors in the U.S. have poured billions of dollars into China to build new manufacturing facilities, which in fact then took them out of the U.S. and created more joblessness in the U.S., but now a lot of those facilities are starting to be closed down even though some of them are brand new because they can't sell product. They get, their exports are way off. Well, this is the issue, Roger, and there's so many other issues we don't have time to talk about, but credit cards are one that I'm a subscriber of mine, uh, runs a website called lowcards.com, is talking about how people are paying back their credit card debts and they're not able to keep things going. So we think we're going to have a very severe contraction here. That's why we're suggesting you take some profits Sell some of those stocks, build up some cash as Chen is doing, as I'm doing, as Roger's doing, and get ready because we think you're going to be able to buy some things really, really cheap down the road here, uh, some good quality gold shares, for example. Um, I would urge you to uh, call my assistant, uh, Claudio Bossi, to learn more, uh, to sign up for our special trial subscriptions, both Roger, Chen, and myself. Uh, call Claudio at 718-457-1426. That's 718-457-1426. In closing, I want to thank each of you again for listening to this show, and I also want to thank my sponsors again for making this show financially uh, possible. I also want to thank uh, my executive producer, Tacey Trump, Ruben Colombe, operations manager, Travis Ortwin, my engineer, for making this show uh, possible from a logistics point of view, and that's all that we have time for now. Look forward to, uh, to talking to each of you next week. Until then, goodbye, and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.